Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. The ambidextrous anointing. My sub-theme is winning the battle on both sides. The ambidextrous anointing, winning the battle on both sides. And I'm trusting God that by the end of this service, every one of us will be equipped to win our battles and to win them comprehensively. The word ambidextrous means being able to use the right hand and the left hand equally well. When they say somebody is ambidextrous, it means that they use the right hand and the left hand equally well or with equal strength. It is derived from two Latin words, ambi, which means both, and dexter, which means right or favorable. Right or favorable. So when we say somebody is ambidextrous, we are saying that both hands are good and both hands are favorable. The typical person has one strong, one very strong hand and the other one being severely handicapped. But the ambidextrous person has both hands being good or both hands being favorable. We're going to go to the scriptures and look at a, a foundation about using both hands. And we have two foundational scriptures from Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 17 to verse 18 followed by 1 Chronicles chapter 12 verse 1 to verse 2. The ambidextrous anointing winning the battle on both sides. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 17 and the verse 18. It says, those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked on construction and with the other, held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword gathered at his side as he built. And the one who sounded a trumpet was beside me. Let's go on to First Chronicles chapter 12 and read the second foundational scripture. From verse 1 to verse 2. First Chronicles 12. It says, Now these were the men who came to David at Ziklag. While he was still a fugitive from Saul the son of Kish. And they were among the mighty men. Helpers in the war. Armed with bows. Using both the right hand and the left in hurling stones 
and shooting arrows with the bow. They were of Benjamin, Saul's brethren. May the Lord bless his word. The book of Nehemiah is a story of the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and burned. Nehemiah received a report about the destruction of the wall and a burden to go and do something about it while he was a captive and a cupbearer in the palace of the king of Persia. He started by seeking favor from God in fasting and prayer for several days. He then went to the king and sought permission to travel to go and build the wall. But as you will find out, in spite of the fact that God had given him divine approval to build the wall, there were also people who were determined to stop him. And in the service today, there may be somebody who feels that God is leading you to do something and you have the approval of God, but you also know that there are Sambalats, Tobias, Geshems, Arabs, and Ammonites who are determined, equally determined, to stop you. Am I speaking to somebody? So Nehemiah and his friends did something interesting. They spent time in prayer, but also when they went to build the wall, they were not naive. They understood that they were dealing with different, different assignments, the building and also the warfare. And so Bible says that in one hand, they carried construction tools, and in the other hand, they carried weapons of war. And they used both hands in the effort to build. Now, this significant action carries very important lessons for us. In the second scripture in First Chronicles 12, the Bible catalogs a roll call of the soldiers that surrounded David in the wilderness at Ziklag. Different categories of fighters were mentioned. If it was in today's military, we would have heard about four-star generals, ballistic experts, maybe submarine experts, marines, bomber pilots, etc. But in those days, they described them differently based on what kinds of weapons and technology they were using. I like the verse 8 where it describes David's special forces. The Bible says their faces were like lions and they ran like gazelles. Imagine somebody like that chasing you. <laughs> but the roll call started with a very interesting group of people, and the Bible describes them as men of Benjamin who were ambidextrous. That means that they fought with both the right hand and with the left. Why is that notable? Because in order to enter your promised land as a believer, you need an ambidextrous anointing. Like the men of Israel or the men of Benjamin and the men that followed Nehemiah, you need to be able to fight with both your right hand and your left hand equally well. What do these two hands mean within the context of today's message? Let's start with the right hand. 
Experts estimate that 85 to 90 percent of us are right-handed. Our right hand is stronger than our left. Nine out of ten people are typically right-handed. We use the right for almost all important or significant things. Eating, greeting, signing our signature, waving at people, typically is done with the right. Culturally, it is deemed that when you make a gesture with your left, especially when speaking to adults or authority figures, it is deemed to be offensive or disrespectful. I recall years ago traveling across the country and going to a place called New Ebrim, and I had been there a year before, and I was back there again doing some developmental work and speaking to the whole community with the chiefs and everything in attendance. And just before I spoke, the linguist came to me and said, Chief, I remember you. Last year, you spoke and you held the mic with your right hand throughout. As a result, every gesture you made was with your left, and we find that inappropriate in Nana's presence. And so this year, you will hold the microphone with your left, <laughs> and you will gesticulate with your right hand throughout. And, and naturally, I hold the mic with my right, but he said, you will need to do that because if you don't do that, we can't concentrate. He said, I will do something for you. I will sit in front near Nana. And if you by mistake move the mic to your right hand, I will just do this. <laughs> Somebody do this, just do this, just do this. Uh -huh. He said, I will just do this so that you move the hand back. And truthfully, he sat there throughout, and naturally the mic kept going here, and he will do this, and I will move it back. After I finished, I went to him and said, thank you very much. Because he needed to do that because without that, some people would not even listen to what I was saying because they found what I was doing inappropriate in the presence of the chief. What is the spiritual significance of the right hand? The right hand is mentioned 166 times in the scriptures. It is symbolic of rulership, authority, Sovereignty, blessing, strength, and significance. It is the hand of covenant relationship. That is why if somebody is very close to you, you call the person my right hand man. What you are saying is that that person is dear to you or maybe my right hand woman. That person is very close and they have access in a very special way. Let's look at seven significant references to the right hand and get a sense of the power of the right hand anointing. The first thing you will find out about the right hand is that it's the hand of divine help. Let's all say divine help. It connotes the fact that God is our helper. In Isaiah 41 verse 10 it says Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous, other versions say, victorious right hand. I will strengthen you. I will help you. And I will uphold you. In verse 13, it says, For I, the Lord your God, 
will hold your right hand, saying to you, fear not, I will help you. Hallelujah. God's right hand is holding your right hand and helping you and assuring you that fear not. Let me illustrate the significance of the right hand, the victorious right hand of God holding your right hand. If you are walking with a friend and you are, your right hand is holding their hand, automatically it will be their left hand. But verse 10 says it is the righteous right hand of God, and verse 13 says he's holding your right hand. So Reverend Jia, let's do an illustration of God upholding you, upholding, and it's beautiful. Please come. So, in that regard, you are standing here struggling with things that you want to do and you know that without him you are nothing. Bible says that his right hand, his righteous and victorious right hand holds your right hand like this. And he says, fear not. He's assuring you, looking into your face and saying, fear not. I am helping you. And not only the Bible says he upholds. The word upholds means holds you up. So he lifts you to one level, to another level, and to another level. And very soon, you are seated in him. And you know that you have strength because your strength is in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Fear not. Somebody celebrate the Lord. Next time you face a big challenge, a big project, something you are trying to do that looks so big, or something is pursuing you that looks so big, remind yourself of who is holding your right hand. He's your helper. He's your helper. He's your helper. And not just that, he's upholding you. That means holding your hand and lifting you up. Somebody is being lifted today. The second thing about the right hand is the hand of divine warfare. Not only is God holding you up, he's actually fighting for you. Some battles that you will face on the journey of life are too big for you to handle. In the battle that Joshua was fighting, when the sun stood still, the angels of God threw stones at the enemies of Joshua. We also know that in the second battle, in the valley of Rephaim between David and the Philistines, God moved in the trees, fighting the enemies. God fights for us. Friends, I say God fights for you. There are things that you don't even know about coming against you, and without your knowledge or your consent or your involvement, God fights them and pushes them away. That is the hand of divine warfare. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 6, it says, your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. God is fighting for you with his right hand. That is why it says, a thousand will fall at your side. And how many at the right hand? Ten thousand. Ten times bigger, ten times better, and ten times greater. The power of God, the right hand of God, is fighting on your behalf. Hallelujah. I like the song that says, God is fighting for us. 
pushing back the darkness, lighting up a kingdom that cannot be shaken. In the name of Jesus, enemy is defeated and we will shout it out. Is somebody here knowing that God is fighting for you and pushing back the darkness and lighting up the kingdom that cannot be shaken? If you believe that in the name of Jesus, every enemy is defeated, then shout it out to the glory of God. Oh, God is fighting for somebody. I said God is fighting for somebody. I said God is fighting for somebody. He will fight for you and you will hold your peace. Hallelujah. The right hand of Jehovah is the hand of warfare. It's also the hand of authority. It's the hand that reminds us of who we are in Christ. We have authority. We are seated at a place of authority. In Ephesians 1, 19 to 21, which you learned about earlier, in the series in him, it says God raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. The good news is that we are seated in Christ, in him, in that place of authority, far above principalities and powers is the place of authority. The fourth dimension of the right hand is a place of blessing and promotion. Blessing and promotion. In Genesis 48, Bible says that Jacob was blessing the children of Joseph. And Joseph brought them arranged in a particular way. Manasseh, who was senior, towards Jacob's right hand. And Ephraim, the junior, towards the left because he expected the blessing of the right hand to be on the senior. But Bible says in verse 17 and verse 18 that Jacob deliberately swapped and laid his right hand on Ephraim and the left hand on Manasseh because he said in this particular instance, it's not about seniority. It's about approval. It's about the blessing of God, the promotion of God. I came to announce to somebody in the dealings of God in your life, he will sometimes lift you above people who are more qualified than you, above people who are more connected than you, who are legally more qualified than you, people who are older than you. It's not by might, it's not by power. Promotion does not come from the east nor from the west. It's not even by logic. Promotion comes from the Lord. And in this season, God will lift somebody up. It will not make sense. It will even lead to arguments here and there. People are saying, why? How does the person qualify? It is Jehovah who qualifies. And somebody will experience a divine promotion in Jesus' name. It's the hand of blessing and the hand of promotion. The fifth dimension of the right hand is a hand of consecration. It's a reminder that we are set apart, sanctified to work with God, consecrated to his service. As Christians, we don't do things just because others are doing them or because it is fashionable. Everybody in the office is doing it. We are reminded that we are set apart. 
in Leviticus 8, 22 and 23, Bible talks about the consecration of Aaron and his sons as priests by Moses. And verse 22 says, and he brought the second ram, the ram of consecration. Then Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram, and Moses killed it. Also, he took some of its blood and put it on the tip of Aaron's right ear and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. And he continued doing the same thing with his sons. Why did God cause their right ear, their right thumb, and their right toe to be anointed? It was a reminder that they are set apart as priests of the Lord. Friends, you and I are a royal priesthood. You and I are a holy nation. You and I are a peculiar people set apart to show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his glorious light. And so we can't live anyhow. The anointing of the year is a reminder that we should be careful what we hear. The things you hear can discourage you. The things you hear can set your heart away from God. The last time we learned in the book of Numbers that just listening to the report of the ten spies, the whole nation was led in the wrong direction. Be careful what you hear. The anointing of the thumb is a reminder that your hands are blessed. Therefore, whatever you touch is blessed. Whatever you do is blessed. Whatever you do will prosper and increase. And remember that and be careful what you touch. The anointing of the big toe is a reminder about movement and about direction. Asking that God will order your steps. Every step you take should be ordered by God because as a consecrated person, it's not everywhere you can go. Somebody say, order my steps. Guide my thoughts. Lead me, Lord. Lead me in your righteousness. Hallelujah. As the world becomes more and more perverse, you will find several Christians trying to rationalize things and saying, this one too is not bad. Friends, let's hold forth the standard and the banner of Christ. Let's not allow ourselves to be swayed by compelling arguments of men and compelling arguments in social media. Our help is not in social media. Our help is in the name of the Lord and our direction, our rule is in the word of God. Our strength, thy grace, our rule, thy word, and our end, the glory of the Lord. Hallelujah. Our rule, our rule, our rule is the word of God. That is final. Amen consecrated for the Lord's service. The sixth dimension of the right hand is the place of divine approval. Divine approval. That means judgment has been given in your favor already. In Matthew 25, in the parable of the sheep and the goats, Bible says in that parable of the kingdom that the sheep were put on the right hand side and the goats on the left. Representing approval. Representing selection, representing judgment. Church, judgment has been given in your favor. 
you have the favor of God as you go out and the favor of God as you come in. And whatever you do will be characterized by his divine favor and his supernatural help. The final one, the seventh dimension of the right hand is special. It's about finality. Finality. It is final. It cannot be reversed. This anointing is a reminder that the hand of God upon your life, it is final. Nobody can change it. Revelation 1.17. Revelation chapter 1 and the verse 17. Somebody must be reminded that the hand of God is good upon you. And what God says is unchangeable concerning your life. It says, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and I am the last. Hallelujah. God was reminding us in this instance that he is the first and he is the last. He is your beginning and he is your end. Sometimes when God says, let us go to the other side, you see him at the beginning and you know he's taking you to another place, but in the midst of the journey, storms will arise that will threaten to capsize your boat. But the assurance from God is that he is the first. He also is the last. He is your beginning and he also is your end. Somebody be assured. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it. He will complete it. He will complete it. He will complete it. No storm will cut short your journey. No storm will arise strong enough to bring you down. God will finish. He will finish. He will perfect that which concerns you. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say, my right hand is anointed. Somebody say, my right hand is anointed. See, I have the right hand anointing. The anointing of help. The anointing of warfare. The anointing of blessing, the anointing of authority, the anointing of consecration, the anointing of approval, and the anointing of finality. God's word is final. God's word is final. Who has the final say? Jehovah, Jehovah, Jehovah. He has the final say. That is the right hand anointing. Now, if you have the right hand anointing, what else do you need? If you know you are blessed of God, that you are seated in him, what else do you need? If you know that you are consecrated to the Lord's service, what else? If you know you have claimed your possessions in prayer, what next? Friends, let me suggest that there are several people who know their rights who know who they are in Christ, but who are missing a second capability, a second capacity, a second anointing that will perfect the right hand anointing. There are people who are blessed of the Lord, faithful to the Lord, who receive a word from God and know that they have been empowered to walk in prosperity, but who are sitting at home not applying for any job, expecting the Lord to perfect what he has said he will perfect. There is a missing equation that we want to correct. Hallelujah. And that is what I call the left-hand 
anointing. What is the left hand? The left hand anointing in the context of today's message is the part we ourselves play. After being approved of God, blessed by God, it is the part that we play in developing ourselves, working hard, fighting to possess our possessions. God can favor you, God can empower you, but without the requisite effort from you, your potential will not be realized. If you have a strong right hand and a totally non-functional left hand, you will not fully exercise your potential. If you have to lift anything up, at least you need some strength on the other side. What is the significance of the left-hand side? 10% of people are naturally left-handed. Left-handed people are very interesting because they have a dominant right brain, meaning that they are more creative generally. They tend to be more analytical more verbal. They tend to have more strength with words. And so they tend to excel in fields that require those skills like art, music, law, design, architecture. Those things that require creativity, eloquence, and analytical skills. In football, left-footed players are rare, and they command very high fees and very high premium. In boxing, they call them southpaws because they are unconventional fighters. When you think the blow is coming from here, it comes from here. <laughs> the scriptures mention very few left-handed people, and proportionally, that makes sense. In fact, there are three significant mentions of left-handed people in the scriptures. And interestingly, all three come from the tribe of Benjamin. And you ask, Why? Why would all the left-handed people mentioned in Scripture come from a particular tribe, the tribe of Benjamin? This is even more interesting. Because the name Benjamin means the son of my right hand. You say, is that not a contradiction? The name means the son of my right hand. In Genesis 35, 18, Bible says that Rachel, when she gave birth to Benjamin, named him Benoni meaning the son of my sorrow. Because she died giving birth to Benjamin. Genesis 35, 18. And the Bible says that Jacob changed the name to Benjamin because he said this is the son of my right hand. The question is this. How does the son of my right hand become the son who is actually left-handed? How is it that the people that we find who are left-handed all come from the son of my right hand? The answer is very simple. You need both. You need both. You need both anointings to fully optimize your potential. So how does the left-handed anointing operate? We've established that the right hand represents your place of authority, consecration, your positioning in Christ, the blessing you carry, divine approval, endorsement, authority. The right hand represents different things. The left hand represents different things. Let's go to judges. Judges. Left-handed anointing. Judges chapter 20. 
this was an interesting battle between the whole of Israel versus the tribe of Benjamin. Judges chapter 20. And in that battle, among the Benjaminites, Benjaminites were some extremely skilled soldiers that the Bible describes. Verse 16 says, among all those people were 700 select men who were left-handed. Everyone could sling a stone at a hair's breadth and not miss. Let's see the second example of left-handedness. Judges chapter 3, verse 15. Judges chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. It says, but when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ehud, the son of Jerah, the Benjaminite, a left-handed man. By him, the children of Israel sent tribute to Eglon, the king of Moab. Now Ehud made himself a dagger. It was double-edged and a cubit in length and fastened it under his clothes on his right thigh. Verse 20. So Ehud came to him, that is King Eglon. Now he was sitting upstairs in his cool private chamber. Then Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. So he arose from his seat. Then Ehud reached with his left hand, took the dagger from his right thigh, and thrust it into his belly. Hallelujah. What do we learn from these two scriptures about the left hand anointing? The first thing is skill. Skill. While the right hand represents covenant and blessing, the left hand represents that which we contribute, and that is skill. Our skills. In the first scripture, we read about 700 left-handed men from Benjamin combining nature and nature. Why do I say that? Because Bible says that they were so good that they could literally sling a stone and hit a human hair. Now, Bible historians make it even more interesting by suggesting that the range of their sling was 200 meters. That means that take a typical 100-meter race and multiply it by two. The length of that, they could literally stand two football fields away and sling a stone so accurately that it will hit the hair of a human. Now, that does not come naturally. So, yes, they were naturally left-handed, but they had spent time developing themselves, developing themselves, sharpening their skills, sharpening their abilities. Can I challenge somebody today? God has blessed you. You have authority in Christ, but sharpen your skills. Sharpen your skills in your work. Sharpen your skills in speech. Sharpen your skills in relationships. You need skills in networking. You need skills in negotiation. Why? Because the right hand anointing can bring you before people in authority. A man's gift will make room for you and bring you before great men. But when the anointing makes a way and you get there, 
like Joseph and like David, you need to present what you have. You need to know how to talk. You need to know how to work. When you get in there, it is now time for the work. So it represents speech. It represents skill. It represents ability. It represents knowing the protocols of hard work and skill. The second thing the left hand represents is wisdom and understanding. Tell somebody I need wisdom. Tell the person I need understanding. Understanding, understanding, understanding. I need understanding. In the case of Ehud, Bible says Israel was being terrorized by the Edomites and their king Eglon. And of course, that was not a time for military strength because they were literally overpowered by a stronger enemy. But with understanding, a man God had anointed, that's the right hand anointing, anointed as a deliverer and a judge, gets an idea. He typically carries the tribute of Israel to King Eglon of Edom. So he brings their tribute to come and pay respect. So he goes and says, I've come to pay my respects as usual. And then when he gets into the presence of the king, he says, today's respect is very special. So everyone must excuse us. And the king agrees. So everybody goes out. What they do not know is that Ehud had designed a special sword that was a shot, shot enough for him to hide it in his right thigh. And so he went through whatever technology they had at the time, and nobody could detect that he was carrying a weapon. And he gets into the presence of the king and says, I've come to pay my respects. I have a message from God for you, which was true. So he rises up, and he bows down, and the message from God is that he puts his left hand in the right thigh, pulls out the short sword, and plants it right in the king's belly. He goes out and says, I have finished paying my tribute. It's very special. The king is resting. So they allow the man to walk out weaponless, no fight, and he goes away. And they leave the king to rest for a long time and enter to find him dead. The anointing of the left hand gives you understanding to fight battles that several people are unable to deal with complex problems that many people are applying themselves and not succeeding, God gives you some understanding. And one person, you solve a problem for a whole nation, a whole business, a whole community. May God give somebody the ability, the understanding to solve problems that many are grappling with without success. May you be the one. May you be the one. May you be the one. A problem solver in your generation. May God give us understanding. May God give us wisdom. May somebody solve a problem for this world. May somebody solve a problem for this nation. May somebody solve a problem that many have tried without success. God will help you and God will uphold you and you will solve big problems to the glory of God in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh, shout, I'm a problem solver. The left-hand anointing will help you solve complex problems. The third sign or manifestation of the left-hand anointing is work, diligence or hard work. 
the fact that we are born again does not give us permission not to be serious with our work. The fact that we are Christians does not mean we can afford to be lazy. The fact that we know we are blessed of the Lord and we are in a season of great harvest does not give us the license to cross our legs and look around and hope that somehow the blessing will fall in our lap. In Joshua chapter 5, Bible says that God had fed them with manna for a while, but the moment they tasted the first fruit of the promised land, the manna ceased. It was now time to work. Manna is an extraordinary case. It's a supernatural provision. It's an exception. The normal thing is for us to work and for God to bless the work of our hands. Hallelujah. In Deuteronomy chapter 8 and the verse 18, it says, Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he might establish his covenant with you. Where is the right hand anointing in that? The right hand anointing is the empowerment. But the left hand is the work that you will do to get the wealth. So God can empower, but if you don't move, the wealth will not come. Similarly, in Isaiah 48, verse 17, it says, Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to make profit and who leads you by the way you should go. The right hand anointing will teach you and will lead you. But guess what? You and I must make the profit. You and I must do the work. Tell somebody I'm a worker. Hallelujah. My dear friend, the young man, God, by the right hand anointing, can give you favor with that young lady. But you must propose. You must open your mouth and propose. And then after that, find accommodation. And then marry her. And then work and look after your family. That one is your part. So God will give you favor, but you must work. These things, it does not come by love. The love is there, but you have to work. Tell somebody, work, 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 work. Is somebody blessing the service? Why don't you put your hands together for the Lord? We are working. Oh, we are working. I need the left hand anointing. Hallelujah. Tell somebody, my left hand is anointed. My left hand is anointed. Which of the two is more important? Everybody wants to be saved, so you say both. All right, let me tell you something. The sequence of priority is the right hand first and the left hand second. Let me establish why. Our covenant relationship with God takes precedence over our effort. So the first thing we do is to build our relationship with God and know who we are in him. Then we step out in that authority and then we work and he blesses the work of our hands. That is the sequence. When you have the left hand without the right hand, you become like what Bible calls the rich fool. Bible says this man worked and his fields prospered but he paid no attention to relationship with God. And so even when the harvest came, he sat down and said, my soul at long last, you have suffered and you are blessed. And God says, thou fool. 
tonight your soul will be required of you. And it was a reminder that we cannot follow the things of this world and fail to be rich towards God. Hallelujah. The Bible also abounds with examples of people who were covenant children, covenant people, but who did not pay attention to the things that the left anointing brings, like character, like hard work, like patience, like effort, application, who therefore also failed. Amnon, the son of David, firstborn, potential king of Israel, he couldn't handle his lust. Absalom, the son of David, gifted, he couldn't handle patience, and he destroyed himself with his disloyalty. Several examples abound. Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, he actually entered his inheritance and was made king after Solomon. But within one month, from 12 tribes, he was left with two. Why? The first test he faced, he didn't pass the test of governance, understanding of governance and understanding of mentorship. He rejected the elderly council and went for the council of the young. Gehazi was being mentored for ministry. He abandoned it and pursued money. Judas had an apostolic anointing on his life, he pursued greed and destroyed it. Tell somebody, I need both. So, as we bring this to a close, why is being ambidextrous so important? Only 1% of people are naturally ambidextrous. Only 1% of human beings have equal strength in both right and left. The rest naturally train themselves. So they are either born left-handed and they train themselves to be right-handed in addition or the other way around. The ancient Greeks deliberately encouraged people to develop those capacities because they thought it was helpful in things like battle and sports. So let me share with you a few notable people in history who were ambidextrous. The first one, the scientist and mathematician Albert Einstein. Then we have two of the most famous artists of all time, Michelangelo and then Leonardo da Vinci. They also were ambidextrous. In the case of da Vinci, he developed it so much that he could actually write, draw and write backwards. Amazing. What does it mean for us? The current world number one player in tennis, Rafael Nadal, was naturally right-handed. But his coach and his uncle trained him to play left-handed. And the, the result is that when he's playing and attacking, you cannot tell which hand he will use because he's strong in both. May that be your story. When your opponents confront you, may they be unsure about what you will do because you have the strength of the right, you also have the strength of the left. May you confound your enemies. Hallelujah. In football, it's even more interesting because the list of ambidextrous players makes very good reading. Cristiano Ronaldo, Eden Hazard, Frank Ribery, Falcao, Francesco Totti, and Tony Cruz. If you don't know football, don't worry. But these players are every defender's nightmare.
Because when you defend against them thinking the ball will be on the left foot, they suddenly switch and they are on the right foot. In some of the issues and battles you will confront, you must be able to make the switch easily. You are handling an issue with your skills and ability. In the midst of it, the competition becomes too strong. Then you switch to the right hand and you begin to pray in the spirit. You are in a contract negotiation, but you are praying in tongues because the place the battle has reached, you must switch from the left hand to the right hand anointing. Similarly, you are doing some things and you are doing them only because of your covenant relationship. It gets to a point where you say, listen, night and day, I must improve this part of myself, my English language or my skills or my ability. Work on how to relate to people because I will need it as I climb the ladder of life. Tell somebody, I need the right and I need the left. Hallelujah. The Bible is replete with people who got it right, doing both right and left. The Bible says of Nehemiah that he went before the Lord in fasting for a while, months, before he approached the king. He wanted to sort out the right hand anointing first. But when he was ready, he didn't just march to the king and say, King, I'm going to build a wall. The Bible says he timed the king, approached him in a particular way, put on a particular look. Why? Because he understood the protocol of the king's palace. He was the cupbearer. He understood how to catch the attention of the king. If you have fasted and prayed and you don't understand the protocol, you will get in the presence of the king and you will miss the opportunity. May God help somebody. Now he might have got there and got the approval. And even after the divine approval and the approval of the king, he also knew that on the battlefront, one hand must hold the weapon and one hand must hold the construction tools. May God give somebody understanding. Abraham knew that he should be ambidextrous because in spite of the fact that he was called a friend of God, very close to God, he also built a professional setup in his home. Bible says he had 318 trained servants who fought and released Lot when Sodom was attacked. That was Abraham. Isaac was a son of covenant, but he also knew that he could dig commercial wells and keep digging and keep digging until his op opponents and his competition ran out of stamina. Jacob was blessed and promoted above his brother Esau, but he also developed a strong work ethic, staying power, and negotiation skills. Joseph was blessed from his childhood. He knew he would be great. The prophecy had come, the dreams had come. But he had to work hard to earn the trust of Potiphar, the trust of the prison authorities, and ultimately the trust of Pharaoh. Esther knew when to fast and when to pray. But she also knew how to strategize with Mordecai to take over a whole foreign superpower. Ruth knew about covenant relationships, but she also knew how to work so hard that among several reapers, Boaz, who held the key to her destiny, will notice her and single her out. You need both right and left anointing. Daniel knew how to pray and fast to shut the mouth of lions. The Bible says he studied so well that he was ten times more intelligent than the competition. You need both anointings. Hallelujah. David was anointed as king of Israel, but he had to learn how to fight and skillfully play the harp until somebody noticed him and recommended him. 
somebody will be recommended in this season. I said somebody will be recommended in this season. The final example of an ambidextrous person is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He knew who he was. He knew that he was God. And he knew the power that he carried. But he learned to pay the price the hard way for the glory that was set for him. Hebrews says that for the joy that was set for him, he endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down where? At the right hand, the right hand, the right hand of God's throne. May somebody despise the shame. Put in the effort. Build yourself up. Develop your skills. You know that you are a covenant child of God, but may you work on yourself, work on your language, work on your stamina, work on your connection with people, work on your negotiation, work on your networking. Develop, develop, develop yourself, and you will fight with the right and you will win, and you will fight with the left and you will win. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hallelujah. Somebody shout, I'm winning. I'm winning on every side. Oh, one more time. Shout, I'm winning. I'm winning on both sides. I'm winning on the right. And I'm winning on the left. In Jesus' name. Is somebody ready to make a confession of faith? Something will shift in your favor. In Jesus' name. Today, you want to make a declaration of faith? Let's say it together today. In the name of Jesus. I declare, I declare that I am ambidextrous. I, am ambidextrous. I carry two anointings. Carry my right hand is anointed. Right Lift up your right hand. My right hand is anointed. Right my right hand is anointed. Right I have divine authority. I, divine. I am approved of God. I am approved of God. I am promoted above the competition. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I also declare that my left hand is also anointed. Lift up that left hand now. My left hand is anointed. I will develop my skills and my abilities. I will pursue wisdom and understanding. I will pursue wisdom and understanding. I will distinguish myself in my work. I am ambidextrous. Lift up both hands. I am ambidextrous. Like Abraham, like Isaac, like Jacob, like Joseph, like Esther, like Nehemiah, like Daniel, like Ruth, like David, like Jesus. I will pray, but I also will work. I will fast, but I will excel in my business. I will declare my inheritance in Christ, but I will also develop my God-given abilities. Somebody say, I carry. I carry, I carry an ambidextrous anointing. I am winning the battle on both sides. I am winning this battle on both sides. I am fully equipped. I am fully equipped. I am ready for action. I am ready for action. I will possess. I will possess. I will possess my inheritance in Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody lift up a shout unto God. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert N.E. Okran 
and Comfort Okran A. For free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233 You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, amazon.com, or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember, you are blessed indeed. Searching, searching, searching.